Hi there, I want to welcome you to this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am so glad you're joining me here on the Bible in Life. Our heart here is really to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology in the language of everyday life that's rooted in the context of everyday life because I want to be able and I want you to be able to follow Jesus in your everyday life. And the reason for that is because I really believe deep down that Jesus has the best wisdom for life. And in order for our life to go well and work right and end up where it's supposed to be and all of that, I believe Jesus is the smartest person we could listen to on that subject. And so I simply seek to try to lay out the wisdom and the teaching of Jesus to the best of my ability on this podcast so that we can all hear him, understand him, and follow him in the context of our everyday life. And if that's something that sounds really helpful to you and you're kind of new around here, then I just encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so that uh, you never miss an episode. Uh, maybe even go back and listen to earlier episodes uh, and some of the passages we've wrestled with, some of the teaching of Jesus we've wrestled with. Uh, if you've been listening for a while and you found this podcast super helpful, it would mean a lot to me, and I know it would be helpful to others then if you would share it on your Instagram, your Twitter feed, your uh, Facebook feed, or whatever it is. Just let people know about it however you can, however you want to. And We began last week a a series, well, really last week, I just kind of told my own story a little bit of some of my wrestling with faith, some of the questions I've had, and some of the doubts I've wrestled with, to really inaugurate, to set up a series on questions of doubt and exploring some of those questions and questions that a lot of us who have tried to follow Jesus, who have read the Bible, who have been a part of the church, questions we've wrestled with. And doubt is just a practical reality of life, uh, of the Christian life, of wrestling with something that's bigger than us and beyond us and greater than us. And the fact is, is if we could figure everything out about God, then God probably wouldn't be worthy of our worship in some regards, because one of the things that makes God God is he's so far beyond us. And, and thus, as a result, we have questions, we have doubts. There's just things we're not fully going to understand, but we want to try to understand things as completely as we can, as clearly as we can, as accurately as we can, so that we can really understand Jesus and his way and live it out in our life. And that's really the heart behind not only this whole podcast, but this particular series here uh, on questions of doubt. And I mentioned that I was uh, inaugurating this series on my own social media, on Instagram and on Facebook, and I end up getting quite a few comments with uh, things people have wrestled with and questions they've had. Um, for example, questions about miracles, like in the Bible, it seems like there's miracles happening all over the place, blind getting healed and, uh, people with disabilities being healed. And, and we don't seem to see that as much today. Why is that? Good question. Um, or questions uh, about prayer and even God's hiddenness and, why does God seem so invisible, unknown, and so unresponsive so often, right? Like, we experience that. In fact, as I mentioned in my story last week, that's one of the things I was wrestling with. Like, God, why why do you not always answer our prayers? Um, is God real? And how do we know he's real? Or if, if uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish faith, then why don't Jews believe he's the Messiah, even though Christians do? Like, What's that? 
That's a question that not only we wrestle with, that was a question that was big in the days of the apostles right afterwards. And there's huge chunks of the book of Romans, for example, where Paul is trying to help uh, his Jewish kinsmen understand that and wrestle with and help the believing Jews understand why that's the case. That's a real question that people have wrestled with. Or, or how can a loving God for uh, uh, loving and forgiving God condemn people for following, quote unquote, the wrong religion with strong faith and even sometimes strong morality? And these are just some of the questions that have come in. There's others that people have written about, uh, you know, like, how do we know Jesus is the one and only exclusive way to true life, both here and now and after death? How do we know that? Why, why is that? And so several people, good number of people actually commented on my own social media with just some of their doubts and some of the questions they've had. And so what I want to do over the next handful of weeks is just explore some of those questions and wrestle with some of those questions. And the reality is there are just different kinds, different kinds of doubts, doubts where it's more just uh, a theological question and something that doesn't make sense and something we don't understand, or it's a spiritual life question, a Christian living question, where it's like, for example, the question that someone sent in about answers to prayer and why why aren't my prayers being answered or why does God sometimes not seem to answer? So there's questions and doubts revolve th- those kinds of things. Sometimes they're, they're like uh, evidential type questions, like how do I know I can really trust the Bible? Um, and not only are, are there different kinds of doubts and different kinds of questions, there's there's different kinds of doubters. <laughs> um, there's there's doubters who aren't yet believers, but they're open to the idea of faith, and they're wrestling with some of the things they feel like they need to get answers to and clarity on in order to come to faith in Jesus and put their confidence in Him. There are uh, doubters within the church, people who are believers and they're involved in church and they're trying to follow Jesus as as best as they can. And yet they have doubts. And oftentimes they don't always feel like they can discuss their doubts inside the church. And that's unfortunate because the church really should be a place to ask honest questions as we seek to understand Jesus more. And, and so there are doubts within the church, uh, people who just have questions about things they don't understand or things that don't make sense or having walked with God for a while and all of a sudden it's raised some kind of nagging doubts. That was me in my story I told in last week's episode where I was actually studying theology, going to seminary, and then just so many things kind of converged at a point where it just really dug deep into my soul with serious questions, serious doubts, things that didn't make sense. It was painful and it was hard. And so there's that. And then there's, I don't even know if I'd call these doubters. They're just more like antagonistic skeptics. And and they really don't have any interest in uh, understanding or knowing. They're more just want to argue. And, and so in the next handful of weeks on the podcast, I guess I would say I'm really aiming my comments primarily probably to those doubters within the church, those who have questions within the church, because I think that's primarily who listens to my podcast. And so if that's you, I I would even love to hear from you. But I'm hoping to be able to address some of these things um, 
for for you if you're someone who is part of the church and you're a follower of Jesus but you've got questions or things you've always wrestled with I'm hoping to address some of those maybe even some people who are doubters outside the church but they 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 have an affinity for it they're 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 looking they're searching they, they've even gone to church some and they just have honest questions they're trying to get that out maybe some of this will be helpful to you and so that's sort of where I'm going over the next handful of weeks and what I want to do on this episode, actually, as I kind of planned out this series, I I just realized ah, I kind of need to have almost an introductory one where I introduce some ground rules and some ways I want to approach this and some things that are important about this topic to me as we wrestle with our doubts. And so that's sort of what I want to do over the next few minutes here is just maybe some ground rules, if you will. The um, first one is just Thinking this through um, with one biblical passage, it's sort of almost like the charter of dealing with doubts and dealing with these kinds of questions for us as God's people. And that's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 and following. And it says this, it says, And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? If, if, in other words, if you are really somebody who's... Uh, benevolent, kind-hearted, generous. You're just known as a good person in your neighborhood, good person in your town. He says, who's there to harm you if you do that? Like, generally speaking, if you're a good neighbor, a good citizen, a good person who's helpful and kind and wise and thoughtful and just caring and loving, generally speaking, people aren't going to oppose you. But sometimes it still happens, particularly when that comes with a worldview, a belief system that's opposed to other people's belief systems. And so he goes on in verse 14 and he says, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, suffer. So he's writing to Christians and he's saying, and he's, Peter is all throughout first Peter has argued, you, you be known for doing good, not just morally good, but benevolent, kind-hearted, helpful, good neighbors, right? Like you just be known as good people and um, good neighbors and all of that. But if you suffer for the sake of righteousness, if you suffer for following Jesus, if you suffer for doing what's right in the context uh, as a follower of Jesus, he says, you are blessed, echoing what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he says, do not fear their intimidation. Don't be in dread, but set Christ apart as Lord in your heart. So you, you set Christ apart as Lord in your life. You make that determination that's who's, who you're going to serve. That's who you're going to listen to. That's who's the boss of your life. You set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. And then he says, always being ready to give a reason to everyone who asks you for the hope that is in you, but do so with gentleness and respect. And it's that verse, specifically there in verse 15, that really is the charter for dealing with these kinds of questions particularly here with people who are outside the church and who look at you as someone who's known for doing what's right, known for living a good life, known for being benevolent and generous of spirit, known for being a good neighbor. And they're like, there's something different about you. What is that? And he says, be ready to give a reason for that. Like when they look at your life and they realize, man, there's just a different quality of life about you. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. The hope it captures up our Christian hope, our Christian love, our Christian lifestyle, Christian living, the thing that drives our life. Be ready to give a reason. And then he says this, with gentleness and respect. And that's really, I think, a key bit of these ground rules is that however we're going to wrestle with our doubts, 
And however we're going to give a reason for the things we believe and why we live the way we live and why we think the way we think, we need to do so with gentleness and respect. And gentleness is this idea of not being a bull in a china shop, not just trying to beat people over the head with your reasons, not making people feel silly or stupid for asking their questions or wondering why you believe, right? Like, um, not, not, not just overwhelming people with way too much data and way too much information with gentleness, considerate of them and their question and their personhood and, and all of that with gentleness. And so I want to try to approach dealing with these questions of doubt with gentleness and with respect, because that's the way Jesus would do it. And again, I think Jesus has the best wisdom for life, the best approach for life, and I want to follow him. And so I want to try to deal with these things with gentleness and respect. I think that's the way we always should do that. And so that's my first recommendation to even you uh, as a, if you're a follower of Jesus, when someone comes to you with doubts, be the kind of person who is safe for them to ask those doubts because they know you're going to be gentle and thoughtful and considerate and helpful and respectful as you deal with it. And so we want to approach these kinds of questions of doubt with gentleness and respect. Uh, a Another little ground rule that's really in some regards a specific uh, application of the gentleness and respect is just learning to listen. Learning to listen Ask questions. Make sure you understand where people are coming from. Think things through with people. Lots of listening. Really, that's what makes actually this format for dealing with these questions of doubt somewhat challenging. Doing it on a podcast where we can't sit over coffee and have a conversation and dialogue. Man, I'd much rather do that with you. I'd much rather just, if you have questions, I'd rather sit down and and have a conversation. And this is a little bit challenging when I'm talking to a microphone. And even if you've sent in your question to me, I'm trying to wrestle with that, but I can't hear the tone of your voice. You can't totally see my face and I can't really see yours and maybe see what's not uh, being clear and maybe ask more follow-up questions so I understand more fully. I wish we could do that. And we can't. I just think that's so important. Listening. In fact, um, Oh, a year or so ago, I, I got a phone call from some, a young man that I'm kind of connected with who was really wrestling with some really, really deep doubts. Like he grew up in a Christian home and even went to a Christian school for virtually his whole life. And he, he just all of a sudden was being plagued by questions and doubts that were really like almost subverting his faith in Jesus and his faith in God. And so he reached out to me, and so we started getting together for coffee every week for a handful of weeks and um, and just having conversations about it. And in our first conversation, uh, as, I, as he was kind of setting the stage and telling me where he'd been and why he was wrestling, in the course of that conversation, he told me that he uh, someone had arranged for a quote-unquote expert to answer all his questions and scheduled a time to meet and they got together and the expert uh, didn't really listen to this guy's questions. He just began to unload all the reasons why his questions uh, were already wrong, were already, there was already answers to them, why it didn't do any good to ask them. And, and do you realize how unhelpful that was? Like that was terribly unhelpful. So now I'm involved in this conversation with this fellow because the expert didn't even listen to him and didn't even help. Um, as a result, it, it was like there was 
no validation of the questions, no real trying to understand where he's coming from, no understanding why he's there. He's just giving all the, the reasons he, he should just believe. Unhelpful, unhelpful. We should listen. We should ask questions. We should dialogue. We should try to understand. So this fellow and I, we we had, I don't know, six, eight weeks of coffee appointments. He'd bring his notebook and he he had questions and I would listen and I'd ask follow-up questions and we'd have a conversation and and that conversation would lead to more questions and he'd write down those more questions and we'd have to end it after a little bit of time. And over the course of six weeks, I probably gave maybe 30 minutes to an hour worth of answers. But we had, you know, six, eight answers, uh, hours or more of conversation. Um, and at the end of six, eight weeks, he was feeling pretty good about where he was at. He'd kind of thought through things and we'd process things. And he had much more of an anchor for how to deal with his question. So listening, listening, I just think that's key. And so as we're approaching these things, we need to listen to each other and try to really understand each other. And then the, the last little ground rule I want to give or at least parameter uh, as we wrestle with this, and that's just the issue of truth. Like what we're trying to get at when we ask questions and we process this stuff and we deal with our doubts is what we're trying to get at is we're trying to ascertain the truth. We're trying to grasp the truth. Like Jesus says he came as a witness to the truth. That gets emphasized over and over again in his ministry. He's a witness to the truth. In fact, Jesus even described himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Like, truth. The Apostle Paul describes the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as the pillar and support of truth. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the pillar and support of the truth. Jesus is a witness to the truth, and so we're after trying to grasp the truth. And sometimes we have these questions of doubts because of confusions about the truth or half-truths or misrepresentations of the truth. And so what we're really trying to do is grasp the truth. And so as we as we think about that, we need to make sure we're, we understand what truth is. Like, truth is grasping what's really there. That's the truth is grasping what, what's really real, what's really there. It's saying or believing things that line up with reality. That's what the truth is. When you say something or you believe something that lines up with the way things really are, that's truth. All right. And so what we're trying to get at is what's the truth about our questions about these things. And when we're dealing with big questions about uh, God and reality, we have to admit sometimes we only get partial truth. Partial truth is still truth. It just means we don't have the full truth on things, right? And so we're trying to grasp what's really real, what's really there. Uh, we're trying to figure out the way things really are. And when we do that, when we when we grasp what's really real, then we can have true belief or maybe better, true beliefs. And that's what we want. You see, biblical faith is not simply just kind of believing in whatever because someone told us we should believe that. A biblical faith is not, this is so important, please hear this, biblical faith is not blind. We don't have blind faith, right? Like even childlike faith, which is a Christian sort of phrase, right? Like childlike faith isn't a blind faith. 
It's not like just believing with our eyes closed. It's not like just believing what we think we should believe regardless of whether whether there's evidence for it or it makes sense or not. That's not biblical faith. Um, the apostles, uh, right, the apostles did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah and thus Savior and Lord just because it kind of felt right to them. They, they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah and Savior and Lord just because maybe everyone else kind of believes that. They, they didn't believe that just because it even kind of made sense to them. And they kind of, yeah, I kind of like that. That kind of makes sense to me. That's not why they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior and the Lord. The apostles were Jews who made massive changes to their inherited beliefs and their way of life. Like they made massive changes in how they understood circumcision, Sabbath keeping, views of how sin is dealt with once and for all. And that affected their whole way of life. And from the Jewish perspective, that was to risk not just their life now, their their whole future eternal life was at risk in the massive changes they made to their inherited beliefs and way of life. And they made those changes, not just because it kind of felt right to them or they kind of figured something out or they kind of thought, right? Like it wasn't blind. Um, that blind faith would have never led them to make these kinds of massive changes. They believed it. They believed in the story of Jesus that they passed on all throughout the Mediterranean world. They believed it because they saw him. And they walked with him, and they talked with him, and they watched him die. And then, after he had died and been buried, then all of a sudden, he came back, and they walked with him some more, and they talked with him some more, and they saw him, and they physically touched him, and they ate with him in the, the physical, spatial world of reality. And that's why they believed it. That's why they told this story. Um, because... It's what happened, right? Like it, it was really real um, and, and they actually experienced it and saw it. It was objectively verifiable. The tomb was empty. Their conversations was real. They were witnesses to this reality of Jesus and not just Jesus pre-death, but Jesus post-death, Jesus risen from the dead. And so biblical faith is belief and trust in what's really real. That's biblical faith. It's belief and trust in what's really will, real. And so to see and to grasp and to trust what's true so that we can live in the real world and deal effectively with reality. That's biblical faith. And so as we wrestle with our questions of doubt and our issues of doubt, what we're trying to do is to make sure our beliefs line up with reality. And the more we have true beliefs, the more we'll actually be able to live in the real world and effectively deal with the real world. Without the truth, nothing in life goes right. Like, if you if you believe, this has happened to me, if you believe that your car actually has gas in it because your fuel gauge is inaccurate, and so you believe that your car has plenty of fuel in it, say a quarter or a third of a tank, um, and then all of a sudden you go to start your car and it won't start, it doesn't matter how much you believe you have gas in it and believe that's true. If your gas tank is empty, you're not going to effectively be able to deal with reality, right? That's what we're after as we wrestle with our doubts, wrestle with our beliefs, 
we're trying to get at the truth. We're trying to make sure our beliefs about life and about ourselves and about the world and about God and about Jesus line up with the way things really are so that we understand things the way they are so that we can actually live and deal with reality most effectively as possible. That's the goal. And that's where we're really going in this whole series is to try to wrestle with our questions and explore those things and understand them so that we can apprehend the truth about life and God and Jesus and ourselves and the world so that we can effectively live within it. And so over the next handful of weeks, uh, I just want to explore some of these specific questions that people have sent in, some questions that I myself have wrestled with or that I've uh, helped other people kind of think through and process so that um, our beliefs can line up with the way things really are more and more and more. And I hope that's super helpful to you. All right. That's what we're after. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode. I'm super excited to explore some of these things with you. And so I look forward to talking to you again in the weeks ahead. If you uh, are somebody who supports this ministry financially, let me just say a massive thank you to you. We're doing this together and literally your support makes it all possible. So thanks a ton. If you have been thinking about supporting and you want to jump in and help out that way, or if this has been helping, you're like, man, I just really want to help this thing continue and continue not only to grow and spread, but just continue to even exist because of financial support. Uh, you can do so at worldfamilymissions.org. There's a link down in the notes below. You can check that out. Go to my page and you can donate right there. So thanks a ton for your support. Thanks a ton for your prayers. And thanks a ton for being a part of the Bible and Life family. I look forward to talking to you again next week.